0: Welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and I'm here to give you all the facts, just the facts, nothing but the facts and I'm alone this week because Sarah's really annoying and boring and never has anything interesting to say. That was the bit when you were supposed to interrupt me in an outraged tone and like shout at me for, you know, being uncharacteristically sexist and stuff, Sarah.
1: Oh, I thought you wanted me to, I thought you wanted to to do it by yourself this week, Dan.
0: Uh, oh, holy shit! There's nothing I can say in response to that that doesn't sound egregiously dirty this early in the program. Um, <laughs> moving right along, I think.
1: <laughs> oh my god, Dad! I've got my mojo back! I've got my mojo back! I'm so excited! Cycling I, is brilliant. <laughs> I think I think I know why. I mean, hell,
0: after last week's rantathon, um, which was pretty, <laughs> it was fun in a very different kind of way. Holy shit, cycling turned around and gave us some amazing racing, didn't it?
1: Oh, fellow Focus. Um, Sean Velo Focus, who has the fantastic site, full of really, really fun um, race previews and social start lists, he said it was like cycling turned around and gave him a hug. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which
0: is really hard to do when you're in the middle of a peloton and uh, rolling along at about 40 kph. So, you know.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm sure Suri Minga could do us on the rollers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, uh, rollers side side thing. Did you see Helen um, and Steph arguing about the rollers on Twitter earlier on?
1: I did indeed. Helen Wyman is the National Cyclocross Champion uh, of Great Britain, and she's fantastic. She's super funny. Um, I think it was Stuart McLean was saying that if she wants to get to 10,000 followers, uh, she should basically put up a roller video.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And then she was. Uh, her response was basically that um, uh, she will never, ever, ever ride the rollers because that's the first step to becoming an evil tracky. Uh,
1: so then I did my
0: I did my civic duty and warned her at that point that no matter what you tell her, you never turn left on the rollers. There are no left hand turns on the rollers.
1: Oh my goodness I, if you're not already following um helen she's cx helen on twitter follow her because she's super funny and very very amusing and you too can start having banter with her and taking the mickey out of her but yeah i really want to see now a picture of helen on the rollers um i'm sure that what helen can do from the rollers is ask steph to, her husband to make her a cup of tea <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I, I think it's still open wildly to interpretation what I want to see is a video of Helen um, I don't know getting a mattress or building a pillow fort on top of the rollers and then just lying down and going to sleep
1: so, that would be awesome still
0: on the rollers technically on the rollers <laughs> no rule about rolling
1: so yeah. oh, oh mm-hmm. clever I see what you did there
0: mm-hmm. king of technicalities <laughs> Uh, well, anyway,
1: uh, that that's
0: diversion number one. Mark it down on your bingo cards, kids, and let's move into the week's racing.
1: <laughs> one day we'll do one of these with no diversions at all. It'll just be pure 100% racing, 100% all the time. It'll be a three-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some races. Someone won. Yeah,
0: they were pretty good. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.
1: But it's so good, I mean, it was just so, there was so much racing, and getting to see it all, and so many good results, it was just lovely this week, lovely, yeah. lovely, lovely racing, thank you, I just 100% thank you to everyone involved, but especially to the riders, because, oh my goodness, they just really, 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 really performed this weekend, and it was so entertaining on every level.
0: Every level, all the levels. Every level all the levels let You're me count dirty the levels. again I actually can't tell <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad it's gotten I actually I have no idea but I'm hoping that there's someone listening who's like yeah no, that's really dirty um, <laughs> because that means that means there's actually someone out there dirtier than me so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so shall we get on to the racing I really,
0: I really think we should it's time for me to start digging up. <laughs> all right where do you want to start uh europe okay europe well there was the race that was formerly known as prince i mean um the holland hills classic
1: yeah the holland hills classic i mean this this race is 10 years old but it but for the last couple of years until last year it kind of bounced all over the calendar and tended to get put against some really big races that all the big teams were at so it's nice to see it kind of have a good, proper, strong place now, last year, of course it people did turn out to race it because it did involve quite a lot of turns over the cowberg. This is a race, as you can imagine holland hills is is the um is its name uh this year the bowls hills bowls rental hills classic um it's in the Valkenberg region and it's includes the cowberg. Now, previous courses, there was one course where they went over the Kauberg four times, which was brilliant. Or maybe seven times. I might be exaggerating, but Let's, anyway, I'm going to say was, seven
0: times. It was 192 times and then seven backwards.
1: All they did was go over the Kalberg, turn around at the next roundabout, go back over the Kauberg, turn around at the next roundabout, go back over the Kauberg. That's all they did. Oh, so that's, that,
0: oh that's, like a, that's like a cycling version of Pong. You know the old video game, the Atari game, where you bounce the little thing between the two paddles? Boop. No. No. You're not getting it. Okay. I'm doing the visuals and everything. I'm actually using both of my hands as the paddles and oh, picturing an imagining the it. thing. It's kind of... Oh, we should... It's pretty cool. You know what? Jay's Mackie knows exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Mm. I'm glad someone does, dear. No, so Bowls, Rental Hills Classic, it's like it's it was a really interesting thing because this was the first race of 3 in a row um you know, th- three 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 in, a, three in a row little races and yeah and i yeah it was won by ashley moorman and that is great i mean ash i said this before but ash came over from um, from south africa to join the the professional peloton in 2010 and she's just a super happy person really positive always looking on the bright side, always focusing on the best and I loved it, when she first came over she had blogs and tweets all about her life what she was seeing, what it was like to live just this wide eyed, excited happiness, happiness embracing different cultures, embracing the opportunity she's got and I really like that in a rider so I've always got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of respect for Ash and she used to tell us a lot about races as well my favourite thing was when her Twitter would be giving race updates <laughs> Well, she was on her bike. Um, I suspect that might have been her husband, Carl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I, I guess know. That's, the sign of, that's the sign of true trust and love, isn't it? When, you know, someone else has access to your social media accounts.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And no one's got access to mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't know what that says. That's, that's either really good security or really terrible personal living.
1: <laughs> how, many, how many? How many people have access
0: to yours, Daniel? Yes, but you've spent two years now uh, telling everyone how how pathetic and lonely I am. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> nobody wants nobody wants access to my social media accounts.
1: <gasps> I do.
0: Oh, <laughs> please. Dad.
1: Oh, Dan, oh, it would be perfect. What could possibly go wrong?
0: (laughs) I tell you what, if I ever find myself in a situation where I need to enter the witness protection program, set my life on fire and walk away from it, I'll give you access to my social media accounts (laughs) before I leave.
1: Absolutely nothing could go wrong, and I think we could make improvements in your life.
0: (laughs) I, I think you define improvement very differently to me.
1: More interesting.
0: (laughs) Again, for you, maybe. (laughs)
1: OK, so it was a bunch. So it came down to the, the Bowles Rental Hills Classic. It came down to a bunch sprint. and This is a bunch with amazing riders in it. It had Lizzie Armitstead, Annemiek Van Vleuten, Emma Johansson, Ellen Van Dyke, um, Ash, of course. And it came down to a bunch sprint, which Ash won out of those riders. And I think that coming third in Flesh on has really upped her confidence. I think she now has suddenly realized what she can do. She had that time where she sprout, where she came second in the sprint in um, Luxem- in Luxembourg, and that was fantastic. I think she's just the confidence boost that winning gives just can't be underestimated or, or turning up on the podium. And I think Ash, when it comes to the Giro Donna, the Giro Rosa, can't wait to see what she does. Oh, it's going to be a brilliant race, brilliant race. So that was the first day's race. That was hilly. Mm. Now, there was one big name who wasn't in the peloton on Friday, but she turned up on Saturday because it was her hometown race, the, I can't say seven in Dutch, but the Dorpenomloop van Aalberg, which is the hometown of Marianne Vos. And?
0: And what happened, Sarah? What happened? What happened? People need to know what what happened.
1: (laughs) What do you think happens when Marianne Vos turns up to race a race in her hometown?
0: Um, everyone took a tactic from the Helen Wyman tactical handbook and said,
1: look at that cow.
0: And she looked at the <laughs> cow and they all rode away from her.
1: Well, it was a breakaway between, um, Emma Johansson had attacked again, um, again, small group, again, Emma Johansson up there and Emma had attacked and she'd been joined by Lisbeth DeVos, Voss's teammate who wasn't working with her because there was only one person who's going to win the race. Mariana Voss wins the race out of a small group. Bang, bang, bang. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Um, one of the what, that's they, shot about, the, they
0: shot the first three on the podium? What was bang, bang, bang about? Jeez, dude. <laughs> a bit bloodthirsty. Of, it's just sport. One of,
1: the, one of the things that's lovely about this race is that Voss tends to d- go get to turn up in Alberg and do all sorts of rider clinics with little small riders, little children, and she'll go to schools and she'll take them their bike and she'll go riding with them and she'll give them tips. And it's just a really, really sweet thing to see. Um, yeah. Awesome, awesome, Mariana. Awesome. So Mariana won that. then Sunday. Sunday is over to Flanders for Guick, Harardberg and Guick. Yes oh, Guick I, just,
2: I like saying, Have you
1: been there?
0: I like saying Guick. I've been to Gerardberg, and yeah, um, I, I don't believe I've been to Guick,
1: no. Oh, well, this race. I mean, usually it includes the the um. The, it usually includes the moor. Oh, the moor. But this year, I think it was um had roadworks on it. But it basically goes through all those other Flanders hills, hilly, hilly, Flandersy, Flandersy, hilly, Flandersy. It's like you've suddenly gone back to classic season. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. It's like the it's like the um. Well, it's not quite mid season, but it's like the. It, 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 oh, that's what it is. This makes perfect sense. Classics are like cycling heroin, and so these are the methadone races,
1: oh, to let you off gently,
0: yeah, yeah, just to ease your way oh, off,
1: interesting,
0: yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure the organizers of all of those races are going to love hearing me describe them as various classes <laughs> of illicit substances. <laughs> Oops, my name's Dan, and I'm helping the sport of women's cycling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, with with an asterisk at the end, you know, which when you when you skim to the bottom reads still doing better than Pat McQuaid.
1: But <laughs> it's hard to do worse. Um, yeah. So um now after this is the third day of very hard racing, and Amelia Foline Put uh, a twit pickup of herself saying, "This is what you look like after three days racing in Belgium and Holland." <laughs> yep, <laughs> because this is exhausting. But there was. One rider, Emma Johansson, she'd been in every break in the last two races, and she was really, really not going to let this weekend go without giving it one last try. And it turns, she got into a final, final break with Micah Pospol from Sengers and Iris Slappendale from Rabobank. Um, Voss, not in the final break, really interesting. Anyway, um, there she is, uh, Emma Riding, riding, riding with them. And I love the race report on Orica because she's basically saying, I wasn't taking any chances this time.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the small lap finished uh, with, a, with a, a corner at 250 metres to go. So she, she just started attacking there and she took a really wide line so no one could come round from the corner and won that race. Oh, my God. And do you know, this is Emma Johansson's first race that she's won for Orica AIS.
0: Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that, but um, yeah, it's amazing. It was a really, um, I don't know what the right way to say it is, but it was a really cool sort of uh, report reading um, her and Tiffany's uh, account of what was going on and how they were both sort of just... Well, this isn't what they said because, you know, they're nice ladies, but, you know, both completely fucked and just hurting and and going, oh, shit, how are we going to get to the end of this fucking thing, let alone win it? All right, I'll attack then and then you attack after that and... Blah blah blah.
1: I'm really surprised that Johansson hasn't actually won anything for Orica yet. Because I think she's been on the podium so many times. You remember like her first eight races in Europe this season? She was on the podium for all of them. Yeah, yeah. And she and she did actually win Cholet Pays de Loire.
0: Well it's like the, she, the first five but that was races. Yes, yeah, it was. And like, yeah, her first five races she was like second or something. And we we're like, oh she's finally broken her unlucky streak of, of all these seconds by coming third. <laughs> It's it's like, wow, this has been a long time coming But, you know, it's also an indication of the the cracking form that Emma's been on Like, you know, to, to be this competitive for this long is just magnificent
1: Emma really suffers. So Emma, uh, if you don't know about Emma Johansson, she's 29 years old, and she started off as a kiddie doing competitive skiing, and then she turned to mountain biking and fell in love with it. Which you know is slightly hard in Sweden, where it snows for about six months of the year. And she went to a high school which was called the Cycle School. It was a high school that specialised in sport in, in people who wanted to race in bikes. But there wasn't a road racing scene in Sweden, so she ended up um, becoming an au pair in Holland so that she could move to the Netherlands, work as an au pair part-time and race part-time. And she's really, you know, she really built up her career, but she kind of suffered because when she was coming up, there was Nicole Cook. And now that she's like at this incredible, really good place where, you know, kind of almost the peak of her career, she's up against mariana voss
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and it's really difficult because she's a complete she's a really good all rounder i mean the things that she's not so good at are the long hill are the long hill climbs but she's a perfect classic specialist and as we can tell she's got a lot of stamina so she can you know she can she's good at she's good at tours but it's it's just it must be very very frustrating to be vienna because you know think about the world cups where you've got you know, Elisa Longo Borghini attacks, shit, that's gone. Or you end up in a kind of final break with Ellen Van Dyke and Voss and oh so frustrating for her. But yeah. Um so yeah, she's won her first race for Orica. Um here's hoping it's first of many. But yeah. Hello Emma.
2: <laughs> well,
0: she <laughs> she listens she listens almost every week. Um, you know, she calls in <laughs> she calls in very rarely, but she does listen, so yeah. Yeah.
1: But she um she's moved to Be- she's moved to Belgium for the you know she kind of lives in in the season she lives in she lives in Belgium and then return and then goes back to Norway where she lives with her husband um in the in the off season but yeah it's nice it's it's nice to see her win for Orica, um brackets finally and I don't mean that in a bad way I mean that in a good way
0: yes and it's been a lot of hard work to get to this point great achievement well done huzzah.
1: Oh, sorry. Was I supposed to do it? huzzah?
0: I don't know, but anything at that point would have been good, you know. Like, you just left me hanging. That's uh, that's yeah. really cool. Thanks.
1: <laughs> I, our our friend Baseface said that um, this these three races, he, he thinks that we should award the unofficial general classification to Emma. <laughs> 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 he thinks that she well, won the weekends.
0: This has been our theory for a little while now, hasn't it, that um, because of the, the ridiculous UCI rules around women's stage races that, um, that we just have to stream together one-day races and turn them into... And just
1: yeah. make up our own. Yeah. <laughs> Dear riders, you've won the general classification that you didn't know you were competing for. Here's, <laughs> here's, here's 25 quid.
0: <laughs> the stealth classification, as it were, yes. Yeah. Mm. <sighs>
1: So, um, oh, in Britain, I can't believe I haven't mentioned it. In Britain, the tour series has started, which is really exciting. This is a this series of one-day crits. But they also had the return of a race, which has, which, which has some kind of, um, it has mythology, the milk race. And this was a day race this year, and it was um, in Sheffield. But it has equal prize money for men and women.
0: Which is a very good thing.
1: This is amazing. It's probably unprecedented in British um, race in British racing. Mm. Seriously, man, this is fantastic. And, you know, I do think it's interesting this week because I was thinking about British cycling a lot because it was the USA National Championships. Now, oh. as a lot of people know, USA cycling doesn't have as much money by a long stretch of imagination as, for example, Cycling Australia or British Cycling. But... I was watching it and thinking, "Damn it, Dan! Our countries have got a lot to learn about national championships."
0: Ha. <laughs> well. All right, for a start, I'd suggest to um, to the US don't hold your national championships at two o'clock in the fucking morning here. Um, <laughs> although, although that is possibly a little uncharitable because, to the best of my knowledge, the US doesn't yet control the Earth's rotation. Um no. so you know, maybe I'm just being unreasonable. But yeah, unfortunately for me it was a it was a work night, so I, I was all tucked up and asleep. But I understand that the race was incredibly exciting, and I can actually testify to how exciting it was because Sarah's screaming from all the way in Bristol woke me up. <laughs> I woke up for, like, 15 minutes at 3 in the morning after the race was over and um, and for some reason felt the need to to fire up Twitter because I'm not at all addicted to social media. <laughs> <laughs> and so I caught up on what had happened in the race. It was awesome. But, yeah, it's, it's excellent that... Um, I mean, by all accounts, uh, Chattanooga is that the correct pronunciation in Tennessee?
1: No, oh my god! I wish I had it all fired up to play Chattanooga.
0: Chattanooga, okay. Jeez.
1: Pardon me, boys. Is oh, this the Chattanooga, choo choo!
0: Oh God, that. Right. So you're going with some British song as the correct pronunciation, as opposed to whatever it is the people British? who live there
1: say. It's not British. If Dorothy Dandridge can sing Chattanooga then and she's a fantastic, amazing film star, then um then I can say Chattanooga.
0: Because you too are a fantastic, amazing film star.
1: <laughs> I wish I was as good as as great as Dorothy Dandridge. You have to look her up, she's fantastic. She was um the she was the first black Hollywood uh female star who got to play roles that weren't mammies and servants and things. And she had a really, really, really interesting career. But black and white movies. God, Dan, you just don't know anything about popular culture, do you?
0: <laughs> I, I demand evidence. Prove to me that this is popular culture.
1: <laughs> right, I'll do that afterwards. Dan, it could a take a while. <laughs> I'll, put a I'll put a link to a, a great thing I read yeah. just this year about Dorothy Dandridge. Oh, no,
0: not a, not not an article. Get a video. God damn it. We live in the YouTube era, woman.
1: Well, I I did, funnily enough. Funny you should mention that I did put a video on our site prowomenscycling.com which had Dorothy Dandridge singing and dancing to the Chattanooga choo-choo <laughs> with a Glenn Miller orchestra.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> anyway, by all accounts, the city of Chattanooga... <laughs> Did a fantastic job. I don't
1: know what you're complaining about. It's hosting just like their one first of those Australian names.
0: <laughs> hosting their first uh, just, just it, it, like, You know, like how you,
1: how you complain about me not being able to say Toowoomba and and places like that. And, that second and, you one know, you, you just made
0: take... up. That's not even a real place.
1: <laughs> Most places in Australia are made up.
0: Theoretically. No, technically, I guess. All place names are. I mean, arbitrary name for the win. <laughs> 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 anyway, all right. Let's grab this conversation by the scruff of the neck and drag it back on track. Um,
2: yeah, so, so it, was, it was meant to be
0: a, a fantastic event um, for people roadside as well as, as as viewing via tour tracker. It was very cool to have such a great showcase of. You know, as Sarah has long and passionately argued uh, for long-time listeners to this podcast, you will already know this, but, you know, uh, first-time listeners, I encourage you to go back and listen to Sarah's long and passionate arguments, that (laughs) it is entirely feasible and readily achievable to run a women's race alongside a men's race and televise them both. God damn it.
1: It's simple. So... I've got to say, last week I was slightly grumpy at US cycling, USA cycling, American cycling, because of the um, Tour of California Invitational Time Trial um, for women. And well, the reason that it annoyed me so much was because... Sarah was upset like-
0: that she hadn't been invited. Um, <laughs> no, she considers the time <laughs> trial her event. She was very upset of being left out.
1: Hey, I'm telling you, I would win the time trial of ranting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What? No, the idea is to go fast, here, not longest.
1: I can do both.
0: <laughs> Who, who's talking dirty now?
1: <laughs> anyway, the reason that it annoyed me so much, the Tour of California last week, was because I'm so used to USA Cycling having... Fantastic prizes, equal prize money for men and women across cyclocross and across mountain biking and across road cycling and having men's and women's races run alongside each other and doing a really, really, really good job of it. I mean, in the Tour of Cali, apparently the women weren't even allowed to have their bands in the same place as the men. <laughs> they were kind of segregated off to one side. Mm. But this Chattanooga, the national championships was spectacular. And it has been a long time coming because, to be fair, this is the first time the American women have got to race alongside the American men at nationals because, for some reason, USA Cycling kept the women decided that this national championship is only for pros and women don't count as pros.
0: Wow. Um, just, well, see, this is one of those really murky kind of like, no matter what you, how you slice it the conversation just gets worse and worse and worse because you could attempt to justify it on the basis that um, you know women aren't pros because they're not getting paid enough but then all you're doing is highlighting the the inequality of pay structures in it it's a, bit it's like, just... it's a bit
1: like some of the it's been like some of the arguments against gay people you know like when you have things there's a you know where you know where oh well you know gay people it's not proper they're immoral cuz they cuz they don't get married <laughs> <laughs>
0: But we kicked it, But but you... It just... Oh, oh, (laughs) guys! I don't even know if you create... You understand that you created yourselves a logic trap here, but come on, guys. (laughs) Like, really? Jeez. And then
1: you can't get married... Then they can't get married because it's immoral. (laughs) Uh, Anyway all of that is over now because so it's been quite bad so this was the first year the women elite raced alongside the men elite and they also had equal prize money and they had the entire race both the ITT and the road race on Tour Tracker. I mean again I was a bit grumpy with Tour Tracker because they cut out um, in the Tour of California time trial after only three people had finished. Pro tip if you're only going to show an hour of racing show the final hour, hour <laughs> not the first hour. <laughs>
0: Or or you know, maybe show the first half hour and the last half hour if you wanna split it. I mean No
1: no 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 time trial. Just show the final hour. Final hour. Final hour people. Final hour. <laughs> Holy shit. How hard is that? But no, but it was it was really, really good. I mean the tour tracker is just this incredible app. It has so much information. You can kind of you can adapt it too. So I could watch it's American racing. So it's in miles. But if you're you know, more used to watching your races in kilometer, you just switch it to kilometers and it's got um, a live text update. It's got situation on the road. It's got all sorts of really, really interesting things. So head over to the tracker and check it out. Cause Oh my goodness. Um, so it's that we started off on Friday, I think with the time trial <laughs> and the time trial was, I mean, yeah, it was it was interesting because I because before the race started, it was like it was kind of discussed as a uh as a competition between um Alison Powers, who races for now in Novartis for MS, and Evelyn Stevens of specialised Lululemon. Yep. You know, they were if you went on previous formats, who would be? Yep. But it ended up being won by Eddie Stevens teammate Carmen Small. Yeah. Oh, Carmen Carmen's fantastic. She's, um I think, she's thirty-one years old, and she's had a she had a couple of seasons earlier in her career in Europe. But for the last couple of years, she's been pretty much solidly based in the um USA domestic peloton. The USA domestic peloton, and when Specialized Lululemon signed her this year, I was all like, "Hey, that's a great signing!" And then all these races where I've gone, "Heavy shit!" That was a bloody good signing it just gets better and better and better every time she's had some really good results this year um she's got a fantastic fun twitter she's got a really good fun instagram where she does post pictures of cats and pictures of her teammates with chocolate bars up their noses and things like that
0: because that's how you succeed in cycling obviously
1: <laughs> oh it's hilarious that's what i want to see you know like those places <laughs> where it was freezing freezing cold remember that at the start of the yes. season where it's like minus seven and, you know, polar bears were on the course and, you know, endless sleeting rain. Um, and then she just had these pictures of her teammates being ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we warm up.
0: They, they were actually, yeah, it's not, it wasn't actually teammates being ridiculous. They were trying to stay warm by keeping the air inside. <laughs>
1: Oh, Carmen Carmen won and this mm. is also interesting because the winner of the national championships gets to go to the world championships at the end of the year
0: where she will be competing for the world championship
1: but no this is two specialised Lemons at the world championships mm. how cool is that
0: well two so far who knows how many more so, there will be by the well end.
1: okay in the ITT championships if the world championships the two <laughs> Will be there. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate because obviously, of course, poor Amber Nevin, who would expect to be one of the superstars mm. of this race, had crashed in the Tour of California time trial and broken her hip. And you know, wishing massively good luck to Amber. I hope you're healing fast. Really, really, really terrible luck. But yes, yeah. So, but but Carmen didn't just win; she won by only one second,
0: <laughs> which is still a win. We'll take it. No, but it. can
1: you imagine it, can you imagine being Kristen McGrath but in th- second place having having and so Kristen McGrath writes for X E G twenty sixteen and um Kristen Armstrong, the two times olympic itt champion um she set up she she co-set up um Exegi 2016 um with nicola cranmer and she's a co-owner of the team and so while she was doing the commentary she was talking about about um and, and i think she's mcgrath's tra- uh, trainer as well um her coach so she was saying about how awful it must feel to lose a race by one second
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that uh that i imagine would be very difficult um and imagine is all I'll ever be able to do because unfortunately I'll never lose a race by such a small margin
1: how how much do you think you'd win lose a race by when you if you came second well no if you came second i mean there must be a there's quite there's quite a depth of categories in australian racing what are you at 13 if, at 14
0: if i was the only guy in the race i would still come second <laughs>
1: How would you manage that, Daniel? And
0: and by quite a margin, I can add, like <laughs> by quite a lot. Like there's no, like I let me put it this way: I've never had cause to practice that bike throw at the line, you know, the the lunge. No so need, how, no need.
1: So if you're going to describe yourself as a as a cyclist, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, are you a time trialer or a mountain goat? You know, what's your specialism?
0: Um, complaining. <laughs>
1: It was getting hit by cars, wasn't it?
0: That was not a specialisation. That was, you know, um, Sydney's roads decided to pay me back in two weeks. So, you know.
1: How many times did you get knocked off in two weeks? I
0: got hit by three cars in two weeks. So... You know. Awesome. Let's
1: all hope he's given that up. That's not a good thing to do, Dan. It's
0: look, I, I maintain it was not my choice. I did not willingly participate in any of those incidents. Um <laughs> if by any chance you were one of the drivers involved, stop using your fucking iPhones when you're driving, all right? Rant over
2: <laughs> for now. <laughs>
1: So um, so Carmen won by one second over chris McGrath and Alison Powers was in third place. Mm.
0: And this is why they don't have time bonifications in time trials. <laughs> if, if you're actually considering that seriously, think about it, because the person in first would get more seconds than the person in second. So it
1: <laughs> Intermediate no bodies. it depends how many... It's- intermediate monies you have. If you could do those at the time
0: checks, yeah, no, good point, good point.
1: Anyway, and that was another thing, was that you could see on tour tracker, they kept showing the time checks. And I really, really enjoy Kristen Armstrong's um, uh, commentary. If you're wondering, she's not related to Lance at all. (laughs) But it is quite funny that you have um, these two cycling heroes called Armstrong, and one of them is a massive drugs cheat, and the other one is this fantastic fantastic person. I mean Kristen if you don't know she originally started out as a triathlete like he who must not be named. Um but then she got I think it was osteoarthritis or something like that that meant that she couldn't run anymore so she turned to cycling full time and she um she raced for all sorts of teams. She raced for the Cervelo Test Team. She won the Olympic ITT in 2008. Hurrah, hurrah. And then she won the World Championships in 2009. And then she retired so that she could go and have a kid because... Um, uh yeah she wants she 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 wants to have a kid while she was she was, she was in her late 30s at this point.
0: Well and they don't make those aero like those kid seats that go on the bike aero so it was very no, you know I... like it's unfortunate that would be cool i would like to see tool or someone like that you know one of the the roof rack companies that make the baggage things for, for cars you <gasps> know Do
1: you have those do you in Sydney do you have people driving around with their kids on little trailers on the back of their bikes
0: Yeah like, yeah like they do here Yeah totally Um,
1: One of
0: those but arrow. And also, yeah, like one of those but arrow, or maybe, but see, you'd have increased rolling resistance because you'd have an extra set of wheels on the ground. So it'd be better to have something mounted across the top tube that was totally arrow. You could strap the kid in. And I'm sure we could get someone like Sword Panda to help us design something like this. Uh, She's got all sorts of wild and crazy engineering skills, plus a whole bunch of swords, which are always handy.
1: You're basically saying that you'd stop cars coming near you by having, you know when when they have those, like, wacky races things with, like, spikes coming out of the wheels to stop cars coming close to you? Oh,
0: fuck me, I wish I could put, you know, you remember, like, Ben-Hur, the movie um, Ben-Hur, with the chariots with the spinning blades on them to tear up wheels? I Mm -hmm. would pay serious cash money for a set of hubs that I could put on my commuting bike with those. I would fuck so many drivers a day. Oh, it would be so good. No, you know so good. You,
1: you know what you need? You know you can get those armor I'm um, a
0: piercing if- explosive-tipped rocket launchers that mount on my handlebars? Yes, I need those too.
1: Well, I was thinking more about, you know that um, you can get those things that basically fuck up with mobile phone signals?
0: Oh! Except I do have a, a mobile phone. of Oh, well, but I don't use it while I'm riding. I guess if I'm just... See, you you meant something that just blocks or jams the signal, right? I was thinking yeah. more like a, a portable EMP device that just fucks everything electrical within like a five meter radius. <laughs> just, just never never have to worry about traffic again. People, just turn your little EMP bomb on and ride, and everything around you just stops. <laughs> it's just like it's like Moses parting the Red Sea. Fucking brilliant, brilliant. Oh, yeah, um, patenting that idea. It's called the Red Sea Bike Module. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, if you're an evil scientist, uh, please get in touch because I want to make this
1: happen. <laughs> so, getting back to Kristen Armstrong. Oh, yeah, sorry. She had her little baby, Lucas, mm. and then she came back for the Olympics and she won the ITT. Um, she had a bit of a shaky start, because oh my goodness, she crashed in the exegy tour and broke her collarbone, but she came out stronger, won the olympic i t t on the podium at thirty nine years old with her son Lucas in her arms
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice,
1: really, really nice, I mean, yeah, I yeah. But um, but Armstrong, so because she's a part owner of XG 2016, she knows, and she was racing domestically in um, 2011 and 2012, she knows a lot about the American riders and the American yep. racers. And she also, having IT, having raced at the top highest levels, knows a lot about what it's like to ride the bike. So she was like this brilliant commentator. Really, 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 really good.
0: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me just get this straight. So what you're saying is rather than getting two septuagenarians um, who, who uh, live in Africa and operate a gold mine in their spare time or whatever the fuck, um, and and provide wonderful, scintillating commentary around the world, uh, that, that you thought it was better to get someone who was a recent professional writer who had written with or against most of the riders uh, that were performing on the day and had detailed technical knowledge of uh, their various skills and abilities and what it's actually like to perform on that machine in the current environment?
1: I I, I know. What are we thinking?
0: That's crazy talk, woman.
1: But you see, but this is... In the Worlds last year, yeah, so World Championships, I think it was the Worlds, I can't remember the World Olympics. Anyway, for the men... So, for the women in Britain on BBC, you had Hugh Porter, who's about a thousand years old, and actually has it, I think he uses it as a kind of matter of honour that he will not pronounce a foreign name right because it's un British or something. And then you had, <laughs> then you've had David sorry. Miller.
0: Is he by any chance a founding member of the EDL? <laughs>
1: Seriously, he does the commentary for the BBC on the track and road, and he'll—I mean, uh, uh, when—oh, jo- uh, when Georgia Bronzini won the worlds a couple of years ago, even though he does commentary for track, he still—while she was standing on the podium, she's very—you can spot Georgia if you had to pick Georgia out of a lineup a lot, you'd be able to do it. She's got short black hair. She's got her little face piercing. She's got that cute smile. There's Tatiana Gazerzo. Well, he can't say Tatiana Gazerzo. He says Titania, Titania Gazerzo so, or something, you know, Titania Gazerzo's won. It's like, holy shit, the race has just finished. It's Georgia Bronzini. Dear God, she just won the race. Anyway, but then, so for the worlds they had, um, porter and david miller and david miller spent most of the women's race talking about men's races because he didn't know anything about the women and he hadn't even been on bloody google oh my god but on eurosport they had this really clever plan which was get rochelle gilmore to commentate on the olympics and the worlds because you know she's not racing but she's an amazing rider who owns her own team and rides alongside these women but how hard is it i mean I you, so you've got Kristen Armstrong in the USA, you've got I don't know, writers like ca- like like Catherine Bates and stuff in Australia, you've got all these people who you could do this. Why? Why don't they do th- Why? Why? What are you thinking? Why? Oh my God. Why? Why? Why?
2: Well,
0: and, and Why? And there we go. I guess I guess we're moving inexorably towards the ranting part of the show. But <laughs> maybe maybe we should wrap up the uh the US nationals first. But, but US
1: nationals I mean the best so we're watching i mean i don't i can't think of i think the olympics was the last time i saw a women's road race from start to finish yeah Mm. and i can't even think of when i saw a last a one from the very start to the very finish it was such a luxury because you get to see all those really really early attacks you know and as we know in women's racing women attack in different ways to the men they're basically you just send out your domestiques to attack like lunatics as we saw in the olympics so that you can just exhaust the peloton. It's basically about attrition. You know, the early part of the race is about let's just whittle down the peloton and see who's there. And if my attack stays away, brilliant.
0: It's very different from men's racing in that men's racing is very much about, you know, trying to form a solid break with the right makeup and that sort of thing. And women's racing, you know, they're trying to form a break as well, but the attacks are actually designed to just shed as many riders as possible.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's
0: It's just punishment. Right from the start, yeah. it's it's just and, who can handle the most punishment, yeah.
1: And how you are at positioning yourself because you have a lot of riders, for example, Udit Aunt, oh, the dear late lamented, please come back to the Peloton Udit, the late lamented Judith Aunt, um, fantastic, really liked to start a race at the back, but she had such fantastic Peloton skills that she could move up through that pack really, really like lightning. I mean, I, it helps that it's Udit so people get out of her way because she's quite scary in mm. a good way, um, but you know, it's yeah interesting 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 so the race Ah, oh. i mean my one gripe is they did have lookout mountain i love look out, Mountain, look <laughs> mountain not not as good as, as mount benja warning
0: volcano <laughs> it's 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 up there though i mean i just imagine i always imagine people doing like the um the pantomime you know kind of warning look out mountain <laughs> <laughs> like no we've seen it coming for miles it's a fucking mountain it's really obvious no no you notice that look out mountain
1: <laughs> it's lovely I, 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 if I was designing the race I would have put the um Lookout mountain towards the end of the race because I like climbing madness but it was also a great race for spectators and our friend Antoine was at the race and said it was really good to see because they just kept bringing the course back through Chattanooga so if you were there mm-hmm. for the day You got to see the race start, and then when they went out to ride around the mountain, you could go and get a coffee, come back, see them come through, go and get another coffee or a beer, see them come through, and then just see them go around for the small laps, which is such a good... That's a way to get a really excited crowd going. It is. brilliant.
0: And it's also, interestingly enough, and and this is a factor that, that... I mean, I guess as as racing fans, we probably don't talk about this enough, but that's actually also something that's really beneficial to the the local business community, the host community, uh, because yes. it gives time for people to, to wander in and, you know, as you say, buy a coffee, buy a beer, maybe have a bite of lunch, whatever
1: else, and, and that yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 um, and, and you can go down this road for this bit. And then you can, cause I, I, yep. I've i said about this in Turingen Rundfart, where I went in 2011, and this is exactly how they run their races. They bring them back through the start finish town a couple of times. And that's exactly what I did. I'm in my terrible German (laughs) (laughs) going around and going to, you know, exploring little shops and, you know, and just, just having a look at the town and, and in, one, in, one of the, in a couple of the stages, they actually had stalls and things set up. And it was just lovely, you know, bands and music. And, you know, awesome. it was just, it's just fantastic. And they, had, you know, and they had loudspeakers, you know, giving the results of what mm. was going on. So mm. you were always part of the race. Even if you're sitting in that cafe over there having your coffee, yeah. you're still keeping up with the action. And I love that.
0: Exactly. <sighs> I, I also really enjoyed Antoine telling us about uh, his friend who had his uh, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter with him. Uh, yeah yeah and how she was so excited watching the women race and um and basically fell in love with bike racing At you know pretty much the ideal age every two and a half year old girl should love bike racing
1: (laughs) have you got your nieces into it yet uh
0: unfortunately i don't have enough control over their tv habits and reading habits and lifestyle habits but you know they're into bikes it's a start
1: once once you, once they get a little bit older, you'll have to um off to babysit them at key times of the year.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, except it's always yeah. in the middle of the night with you. Damn, it's a hell. Um, well, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, when they're yeah, eight, exactly. they like staying up till midnight.
0: Send them send them home after staying with Uncle Dan for a week, and and my brother will just be like, they can't sleep. What did you do?
1: <laughs> what, what happened? Why are my children now nocturnal?
0: (laughs) They sleep from 12 till 9 at night, and then they get up and go, where's the cycling, Daddy? Where's the cycling? (laughs) It's it's terrible. He's like the oldest. Just She goes and turns it over to SBS straight away, and then if there's nothing on there, she's she's finding pirate streams on the internet. What have you done to my daughters? (laughs) To which I will glibly reply, been the best uncle ever. (laughs) And then I'll say... Hey, check this out. Sammy, get Uncle Dan a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Run straight to the fridge. Pop.
1: (laughs) Sammy finds Uncle Dan a date on a dating website.
0: See, this is why you're not allowed access to my social media accounts. (laughs) You're obsessed with things that that just don't matter. (laughs) (laughs)
1: your eight-year-old niece catfishing girls
0: (laughs) yeah thanks for helping sarah jesus
1: (laughs) anyway back to the race
0: (laughs) please let's
1: oh god back to the race so um it was a great race. Um, I think you should actually watch this, Dan, because it's still available online. If you go to usa.thetourtracker.com and follow the many, many links on our blog, com, you can actually watch the replay of the race. And you could just, you know, and I, I understand you might not want to sit down and watch three hours of racing, but you can just pick it up anywhere and it's great. It's great racing. There was an interesting point because towards the end, Mara Abbott was out solo in the last couple of laps and she had the weirdest bike change I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) Now, is is this the one where basically uh, the response of the neutral service mechanic was to um, come running up to the bike, uh, beat it with a sledgehammer, then use a blowtorch to cut a section off it, weld a new section on and, um, and then finally replace the wheel? Was that change?
1: That was the change, yeah, yeah, you haven't seen it, but you've seen it, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. I, mean, I, I, I Again, uh, maybe it wasn't so much your your screaming with glee as the world's eruption of
1: outrage
0: that woke me at three in the morning. Because... <laughs> yeah.
1: It was like, it was the worst. And some people said, oh, well, it was her fault. She should have got off her bike completely for her wheelchair. She still had her foot clipped in. But you can see the guy hitting the bike. And then the derailleur falls off. Like, he's just hitting it. He's just, he broke the bike. I mean, are you, riders like Cadell Evans can have their wheel changes with, you know, while they're still clipped in without being, without people breaking well, the bike.
0: Actually, I don't know about that. I mean, I was just going to say, one of the one of the, the comments that really told me everything I needed to know on Twitter was when someone was like, this is Cadell in the 2000. No, what was it? I haven't seen a, a wheel change as bad as this since Cadell in the 2010 Vuelta. So and I was just like oh shit that bad wow
1: <laughs> it was terrible and i mean you know it's one of those th- actually this is worse than losing a race by 1 second i think um because it's like you don't know what would have happened there was still quite a lot of racing to go and she was being chased down by jade wilcoxon of uh, <laughs> of optum pro cycling presented by kelly benefits strategies <laughs>
0: I I love the um the the half smile half singing flourish that you put on the end of that team name every time. You know, my, my goal for the rest of the season is to uh, not just encourage you continuing to do that, but to get you to to really get into TIBCO to the top and really really get the to the top going as well.
1: Oh, TIBCO's not to the top anymore. But the American team names are fantastic because you have Exegy2016. Now, I used to love it more when it was Peanut Butter & Co. 2012. But mm. they capitalised their 20s, so it's exeg 2016 How <laughs> do <And laughs> you capitalise a number? Pardon?
0: Oh, right, they um, spell it all the, caps. So, Holy so it's
1: exegy, word 20 in capital letters, number 16.
0: Wow, wow.
1: Then then you have now in capitals, because it's no opportunity wasted, mm. now and Novartis for MS, which, you know, I give that a pass, because, you know, the whole point of the team is about raising awareness of MS and, you know, you know working, you know, yep. and, and trying to find a cure. But, yeah, Optum Pro Cycling presented by Kelly Benefits Strategies... <laughs> I love it. My favourite one is Farron, let's go Finland. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> uh, which, I, somehow, I don't know why, but somehow we were talking about that team a lot during the Eurovision week. So, yeah. <laughs> Someone demonstrating a little bit of bias, I think.
1: Oh, so, anyway, so you yes, so poor Mara, poor Mara Abbott. I mean, Mara, mm, she's a... She's an interesting figure in cycling. She won the 2010 Giro Donna for Team USA. And that year she was a really big competitor with um, uh, Emma Pooley, a mountain goat, but she was always very, 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 very skinny. And then in 2011, she um, was riding for, uh, yeah, I want to say Pastizara, but I can't remember what their name was at the time. And she just, didn't look well at all and yeah and she took a year off and she said you know this isn't gossip or anything she said this publicly that she had an eating disorder and and yeah so it was good to see her back because she really it's like one of those dark sides of cycling Mm. when you see someone who's that skinny and you just get to the point where you're like it's not about skinny people or skinny's bad it's like that doesn't look healthy Mm -hmm. and yeah well and it is
0: one of those it's one of those sort of things that's not very well discussed in all professional sports but you know i mean when when you look at it in in the strictest terms professional sport in particular is very deliberately about pushing the human body to the absolute limits of performance from every possible way that you can cut it and so if you participate in a sport where you know uh weight limitation and and those sorts of things factor in you know yeah. th- those are one of the very serious risks um
1: Yeah I mean um, I mean Brad Brad Wiggins for example they were talking about, oh how did Brad come forth in the um third fourth whatever it was in the um third of france that year and he was saying he basically was in starvation mode and mm-hmm. his wife had to nurse him back to health afterwards and it's like shit we shouldn't be and then when you take women's it's and it's hard for women's thing anyway because you know your girls just grow up with this culture of of the thinner you are the better you are you know yeah. like, like like fatness is some kind somehow a moral issue or something and and so there have been all these, um, I, I, I especially mention, think about um, Gracie Salzberger, the Australian cyclist who had um, bulimia talking about how, you know, a coach just saying, oh, you've got to lose a load of weight, you're too fat. And mm. it just killed her. And when you've got people who are incredibly competitive anyway, and you think, well, that's how I can get better. How can I get better? That's how I can get better. Uh, you know, there was an interesting blog by Miranda Vries a couple of uh, last year about cyclists and food, and, and it's, but it's not very well talked about.
2: Yeah. And it's yeah.
1: one of those um it's one of those uh,
0: and, things. and it's a very complex equation too because you know there's a certain element of of discipline and self-sacrifice that you know isn't necessarily an unreasonable expectation to perform at an elite level. And and that's kind of my point is that there's such a fine line between, you know, elite performance and unhealthy Performance yeah. and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: and and it's it's a difficult uh, difficult area to to know where those those limits are because I think you know that they're probably highly personal as well, um, you know. So so it's important that those stories are shared and um, and stuff. And as you say, it's good to see Mara back and competing and competing well.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking, you know, look, looking healthy. Everyone talking about her having refound her mojo and being back. And yeah, so yeah uh so and and you know as I said actually it might have been 2009 she won the Giro I might be a year out but anyway so there she was and and you don't know you just don't know like she might have soloed to victory and become national champion again mm. or she might have just um been caught and but you know god that must be frustrating but the race was won by Jade Wilcoxon of now a Novartis. And so Jade had been out solo Jade had been out solo and then she'd been caught by Chris and McGrath and they'd been racing, 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 and Jade in the penultimate lap about halfway through, really early, put in this massive attack and she just destroyed McGrath. Like, not just physically but mentally. Just she just went and you can see McGrath's whole body slump, like it was a beautiful attack. She won solo. Behind her Alison Powers, who's this amazing time trialist, um, had been uh, racing really, really well. But she kept attacking and going. And on her back back wheel was um, Wilcoxon's teammate, Lauren Hall. Now, Lauren Hall is normally a trackie. She won silver in the Olympics at the team pursuit. But Lauren just was total track skill. Every time Ali Powers attacked, Lauren was just there. So there they were racing, racing, racing to get to the finish, and they actually caught poor Chris McGrath just before the finish line. And then Hall oh, zoomed past Ali Powers to take second in this really, really impressive show of riding. I was just like, oh god, that's a good race. Oh, seriously. Even if you just watch the end of the race, please, please, please watch some of the end of that race because it's so good. But so, honestly, so good.
0: who doesn't want to watch three hours of end-to-end women's cycling? It's such a rare thing as it is. Like
1: exactly, fuck you know. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. You, I'm sure you don't need sleep, Dan.
0: Nobody, nobody needs sleep. They just need more beer. That's like yeah. <sighs>
1: So that was it, and um, yeah, so Jade Wilcoxon, USA National Champion, she's mm, champion. Mm.
0: And apparently she's so embarrassed by this win, like utterly mortified, and thinks it's so uncool to be a national champion uh, that she hasn't taken the jersey off.
1: I like Dan Wari's tweet about how she slept in it. Yeah. And then she took it off to go riding because she didn't want to seem presumptuous. Didn't want to seem like a show off, which is so sweet. It's like... Oh she's fantastic. And um, she's got a like 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 all good women's cyclists, she's got a blog. I highly recommend you go and check it out because she's lovely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant weekend of racing.
0: And, you know, one of my favourite things, I do love a a women's cycling event that uh, turns out to be a brilliant uh, case study for every other women's race in the world. Flesh, Valon, I'm looking the fuck at you. (laughs)
1: Um, Seriously. You know, know, there were even... um, uh, Michael Collins on Twitter sent me a link to someone who'd actually got homemade... GoPro footage Of the US Aerial shots At the USA National Championships I'm like Shit This is And I wrote a post Yesterday that was a bit oh, I love you all You're all wonderful About the weekend's Racing yep. Um And And it's like And my post is just Packed full of ways That you can show races Ways you can connect With fans And mm-hmm. um, I think that this is a really good opportunity. I mean, I talk about USA Cycling doing this and not having as much money as cycling Australian British Cycling, but what I'd like to see is federations, the National Federation of Races, seeing this as a really exciting challenge. Mm, you know, if exactly. they can do that, exactly. what can we do?
0: Oh, hey, holy shit, maybe that's what we should do, is instead of awarding the Stealth GC Award, maybe we should award the, the best federation of the year for coverage of women's racing.
1: Oh, but that's hard. That's hard because, for example, the Dutch national championships and the Italian national championships turn up on TV.
0: Well, yeah, so they've got an advantage, but, you know. So they, so that's, they win. That's, I mean, the, so no, I mean, that's the challenge. The, the race, Overcome no, it. The
1: race, no, one is, no one is going to be bigger than the Dutch national championships, Dan.
0: Well, I, I, I don't accept that assumption. I demand Seriously. evidence. I demand well, evidence. I want to see this tested the challenge, the challenge if you, if you're from a national federation and you're listening uh, then the challenge has been laid out prove prove Sarah wrong please for the two love words. of god prove Sarah
1: wrong two words mariana voss
0: she races in other countries too sarah
1: yes but you know national championships mariana voss uh, Lou white and Nick van blerton Ellen, Ellen van Dyke. That is going to be one hell of a race. That is going to be. You know, the Dutch national championships is going to be harder to win than some of the races that are on the calendar.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that race. It's, true.
1: it's and true. the other thing I really, the other thing I really liked about the um about about USA about the national USA national championships was getting that. The links to all the brilliant USA riders, and that's whether it's the riders at the top end of the race, you know, hugging and being happy afterwards, or whether it's the riders who are pulled out early or who have mechanicals or whatever, and just watching how much, what a community it was there. And I also liked getting, being reminded of blogs and seeing blogs, such as my new favourite one, Lindsay, Lindsay Bayer's TheDirtField.com. This is her blog, Strapline. line Yep. You don't have to lie down to cry. You can cry on your bike. (laughs) (laughs) This is how she describes herself. You can cry Um, while
0: you're (laughs) pedalling.
1: Yeah, this is how she describes herself. This is the beginning of her description on her blog, yeah. When I was little, I ate too many sweet potatoes and turned orange. My mother had a pet monkey and a duck when she was a kid, but the duck died during a particularly aggressive show-and-tell session at the school. (laughs) I was arrested for trespassing at an abandoned mental institution. (laughs) I had a meltdown when I got my first B plus in eighth grade geometry and confronted my teacher about her cruelty. When she came into the Starbucks where I worked seven years later, she laughed and told me to get over it.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. No, she doesn't take things too seriously at all.
1: My mother says I use too much profanity. My friends say I'm crazy. My co-workers are traumatized by the stories about my feelings and the wild things I'll do in the name of bike racing. <laughs> I'm that person who laughs louder than anyone else at her own jokes, though. So while I'm snorting with hysterics, you're probably moving on to Google pictures of cats playing instruments. Oh, well, I tried. I <laughs> tried.
0: So basically what you're saying is if you ever need to go on holiday, we know who to replace you with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit, someone who actually knows about bike racing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least knows which way up the bike goes. (laughs)
1: I recommend you all go. It's www.thedirtfields.com and that's got her blog and her about page and you should definitely have a look at her. She is Lindsay Bayer. She writes for Colovita and yeah, just have a look. She's hilarious.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, she is.
1: <sighs> <sighs> what else have you seen that you liked this week?
0: Well, holy shit, there's been all sorts of weird stuff going on this week. I don't know if... Um... Okay, well, all right. Let me start with with something that I did actually like because, you, you know, that was the question. Uh, our our dear friend who loves being mentioned on the podcast or basically thinks we started this podcast to talk about her um, is Sword Panda. Um, she was profiled on Total Women's Cycling. A uh, bit of an interview because Sword Panda, as well as being the most swashbuckling of swashbuckling cycling people that you know, uh, is a bike mechanic. And it turns out that... Um, they did a, a tidy little interview and profile on her on Total Women's Cycling.
1: I really liked that interview because it was a mixture of how she got into being a bike mechanic, um, you know, people's reactions to having a female bike mechanic, um, but also with a lot of opinion about, you know, her opinions on women's specific geometry, for example, and stuff like mm. that. I really liked that interview. I I mean, yeah. I yes, I write for Total Women's Cycling occasionally, so I have a, a bit of a vested interest in that site, but holy shit, Caroline's, Interview is great. Karen's Q and A is great. Yep.
0: Um, I also sorry, I also uh, liked that for the fact that she outlined the the nature of the course that she, or courses sorry that she took in order to uh, get her certification or qualification as a, as a bike mechanic uh, before getting her her current job. Uh, not least because there's actually a photo in the sidebar of Total Women's Cycling's editor taking one of the cycle maintenance courses. And I saw that and I was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Maybe Sarah needs to take a course. Hmm.
1: any <laughs> of my questions <laughs> but I don't think that you'd be able to answer questions such as which wheel, how can you tell the difference between the wheels <laughs> yeah. which way up does a derailleur go
0: yeah. oh good lord <laughs>
1: And <laughs> um, if you have any questions about bike maintenance, uh, tweet, tweet Caroline at, sword, at swordpanda at Twitter. I'm sure she'd love it. <laughs> as strangers as asking her questions on the internet, because who doesn't?
0: Everyone loves that. Everyone loves
1: that. Um, I... The other thing I saw in Total Women's Cycling this week was a blog about marketing to women by Adele Mitchell, who's um, she's a beauty blogger who's a, who's a really keen cyclist, and she has this good this interesting blog about about how people market stuff to women and how they kind of take a one size fits all and that's generally pink. And she says she does actually like pink because she finds it quite visible on the roads, but you know, but that's not really a good thing. But one of the things that she linked to was Cove mountain bikes and. I don't think they're aimed at me, Dan. Then the the names of this mountain bike range include Stiffy, Hooker, Foreplay, Handjob, G-Spot, STD. Is this just
0: a front for some kind of weird British brothel?
1: I... these are these are downhill mountain bikes with these names on the top of it like you're riding a bike called std are you kidding me the only i was looking through their range and the only bike i could actually ride there was one called shocker which i'm sure has euphemistic terms i don't know the only thing i could possibly ride there and it's probably got some really dirty meaning like filthy meaning that i don't know is sanchez
0: oh right yes that does
1: this it? Yeah.
0: Not for explanation on this podcast, not even this
2: podcast.
1: <laughs> I mean, I suppose the fact that they had one called G spot was, you know, was, was, I suppose that's probably the best thing out of the range.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: it's admitting that women might have, you know, but yeah, that I just, I'm, I'm just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Um, other things I don't really understand. Our team Argos Shimano.
0: Well, I don't know all the details, but uh, I, I understand that basically they have decided to part ways.
1: Well, they've, they've parted ways with two riders this week. Mm. And firstly, there's Charlotte Becker. Charlotte Becker is a German uh, rider. You might remember her from the Cervelo Test team and HTC leadout trains. She's very tall, very bleep, very blonde. And they said, oh, yeah... And they had this I don't know how much of this is about translation issues, but it was quite a dodgy kind of press release where it say, Oh yes, you know, she has an individualistic approach.
2: Mm.
1: and she didn't fit into and then they parted ways with Marlena Yorend. Um and they had another kind of thing that was kind of where they said, Oh yes, she you know, she, she didn't like basically they said she didn't like taking team orders. She said, I haven't been paid. And I don't know what's going on. I mean, I don't... I guess... I mean, how... It, it's weird, because they're now down to nine riders, but with Kirsten Field out, they're, that's eight. Eight riders, which is interesting. The only thing... The only giving them the benefit of the doubt you can imagine is maybe they're kind of clearing decks to get in a GC contender to race in the Giro Rosa or something. That's mm. the only... Maybe.
0: Maybe, but even
1: that. Maybe they're just bastards
0: who've run out of money. I have no idea. Oh boy! Yeah, I. It's just it's just another one of those situations that because there's a a certain lack of information, it just leaves you feeling cautious and uncertain and uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And. I don't. I just don't know. I mean, and Argos mm. because they're they're partnered with a men's team, and it really feels like the men, the women's team and the men's team are alongside each other. They've had all those videos. They've got you know some really their their website is completely integrated. It's you know so I, I'd be surprised if they were running out of money. But yes, yeah, so watch this space for Argos Shimano because um here's hoping. It's just that these slightly dodgy reading press releases are just translation issues and everything's fine and the riders are happy and the riders have got other teams to go to and all is good in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's hope that that's the case. Because harsh mm. and bitter reality hasn't taught us anything different. So let's, <laughs> let's just hope that's the case. Oh, so, sometimes it just makes you want to cry.
1: I know. I, what seen this
0: week? Alright, so I've I found a, a neat way to transition through something that's good that, that I've seen um, uh-huh. into something that's, you know, got me angered up a little bit because, you know, little is good for the blood. Uh, so <laughs> stick with me. I mean, there, there'll be time to chat as we work our way through the first part, so chime in, but but bear with me as I drag us into the, the second part of this. But starting off, uh, young Gracie Elvin, who rides for Arica AIS, uh, is a current Australian champion, um, and and... I think is uh, one of the writers who's got a, a great future in the sport uh, ran on Twitter a couple of weeks ago a an experiment she called it her her Twitter experiment and just asked people to retweet or favorite this message um, if they wanted to see more women cycling on TV or you know on their computers um, you know if it's available via something like tour tracker. And so she ran that for a little while, and we've got some results back. And um, we we asked Gracie if she wouldn't mind sharing those results with us, and she graciously has. Uh, No pun intended. Oops. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, really not,
0: but yes. Anyway, um, and and so uh, we've got a few stats, which, Sarah, maybe you want to run us through those.
1: Yeah, so she did her little Twitter experiment and this was just, I mean, it really was a little experiment. She didn't really put any effort in, she just put a tweet out and left it there. Mm. And it was, if you want to see more cycling, retweet or favourite it. And she said in the first day she had 425 retweets, Mm -hmm. uh, 850 in the first week and up to 2,022 retweets and 1,103 favourites in a week. And I think that's really, really interesting because this wasn't a big campaign. This wasn't something that – this was deliberately not something that she mentioned on, mm. uh, you know, the Oracle website or anything like that. It was just a little experiment. But yeah. how interesting. Well, I think It got I a think lot it's, of traction.
2: Yeah,
0: it absolutely did. And I think it's very, very interesting for a, a number of reasons. Like you say, she didn't put a big push behind it. She wasn't – Um, asking other writers, you know, it's not like she was hitting Twitter every day and and hitting up other writers and saying, hey, can you retweet this or whatever? I mean, several writers did, obviously.
1: Or mentioning it herself either. She wasn't, like, saying every day, hey, don't forget to retweet my tweet." Mm, mm,
0: Exactly. So, um, you know, I think that's that's really interesting. And, um, you know, it it demonstrates the the possible potential because, you know, while I I think Gracie is a, a... bright star for the future she's not one of the most well-known writers in the peloton by any stretch and you know she's no. not not one with a huge twitter following as it is um you know so there's there's clearly room there um when they talk about in in social media terms the extended reach and amplification and stuff like that that you could achieve through those those larger extended networks um but the second thing that i think is really interesting about that and this is this is me moving into the the second part is that those numbers actually also stack up quite well compared to the UCI Stakeholder Survey.
1: (laughs) The UCI Stakeholder Survey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so this is the bit... I haven't read it. I can't bear it.
0: (laughs) This is the bit where I'm about to get angry. Um, So the UCI Stakeholder Survey had just north of 6,300 people respond. Um, Oh, really? Yes. Now... I do acknowledge that, yes, completing a survey is much harder than hitting retweet or favorite on Twitter, yes, um, and it was a longer survey and that sort of thing. But this survey is meant to encompass the entirety of UCI's purview, which is, you know, mountain biking, BMX, uh, track, road, men, women, you know, everything to do with cycling. So the... Exactly so so the number of interested stakeholders and it was open to the public so it's not like you had to even be a UCI licensed rider you know in in the, in the way that everyone who rides at UCI race has to be um, anyone literally anyone could respond to this survey and so they got six thousand three hundred um, or a little over um, so I, I actually think that's quite telling and I think it's very interesting and I think it ties into things that i've theorized on previously about the level of engagement that women's cycling fans have with the sport um you know and so so i think that's that's really interesting and and quite positive uh you know still not sure how you you turn all of that into a a viable business model or a sustainable model for race organizing or, or whatever but you know i think we keep we keep trying these experiments and things and collectively we'll figure something out
1: but, it's in, but it is interesting, isn't it? Because the UCI survey was going for months mm. and all the riders could respond to it. Yep. And it was mentioned in all the big media. There's yep. always big pushes on Twitter. I was pushing for people to fill yep. it in, et cetera, well, we et cetera. Talked about and it And for... they still only got 6,000 people completing it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of that is whether people just didn't think that there was any point in, in responding to it. But, mm. I mean, I was really disappointed with, I mean, I, my, my good friends, Scott and John, talked about this on the recent Velocast. Um, if you don't know the Velocast podcast, they do the Eurosport podcast and various other podcasts. And I've got the little slot that I do on their weekly cast um, about women's cycling. But they were having a rant because John, because Scott was saying that what really upset him about the UCI stakeholder survey response was how the UCI were, were mixing together stuff about the survey with stuff about Pat McQuaid. And how Pat McQuaid saying and all the the Pat McQuaid report on it was basically Pat saying I did this I did that.
0: Yeah, so and it wasn't for, for about those... the work
1: of the Fed. It was about the work mm. of Pat.
0: Yeah, for those who don't know, Pat McQuaid wrote uh, basically an op-ed uh, that was published on Cycling News. Um, they they chose to just publish it as it was, um, and. Um, you know so so it's it's Pat's opinion piece. Uh it's one of the more rotten pieces of self promoting <laughs> PR I've ever seen. Um and I mean I say that knowing I actually haven't seen that many pieces of, you know, rotten self promoting PR, so um I, I may may be wildly inexperienced in this regard, <laughs> but
1: don't you work in marketing,
0: Dan? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know much about <laughs> lying liars and people who lie for a profession. So you know, it, it's my 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 understanding of what's rotten could be quite naive and innocent because I only work in marketing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a bunch of things in here that kind of just really give me the shits. Um, uh,
1: that's the, a hard, marketing term, people.
0: The hard thing is that, you know, um as sorry, was it Scott on the on the Velocast cast who was who was getting right up about it?
1: I think they both were, but well, yeah, okay. just assume well, Scott. If let's, it's really ranting at Scott.
0: Scott, I'm blaming it all on you. Um you know, we can settle this over however many pints you can stomach uh at some point in the future. I look forward to it. Love Dan. Uh so the thing is that yeah, he he takes Obviously, genuine results from the report. And and just to be clear, the report, the actual report, not Pat McQuaid's opinion piece about the report, was compiled by Deloitte. So, um, you know, theoretically, it has some level of independence from the, the UCI and their influence. Uh, how much you believe is entirely up to you. Um, but, all right, let me, let me just go through this in order of things that kind of really pissed me off. Because, uh, you know, that's always the fun way to take things through. Uh, so, uh, basically, Pat's all like, yeah, yeah, we had this great consultation and 6,300 people responded. And, you know, if you read the media, because the media are a bunch of fucking bastards, you'd think that everyone was upset with cycling and thought it was bullshit and full of dopers and corrupt bastards who steal money and do fucking dumb shit all the time. But No! No! People love us! People love cycling! Yeah! Not so! Today, the UCI publishes a summary report with key recommendations! Oh, for fuck's sake! Just makes me want to stab him with a pencil.
1: Well, mm. the thing that I thought was interesting is because you know he's standing for re-election at the moment mm. for the uh, the UCI president. Well, saying, as as the, as the Swiss representative.
0: Well, I was getting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sorry,
1: carry on then. Yes,
0: yeah. no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, but the thing is, yeah, like he he just goes on and on about oh the report details a great many positive responses about many aspects of the UCI's performance, including the enormous improvements made in anti-doping activities in recent years, and. You know, and then I, I... Oh, the one that really... Fu- there are two there are two grammatical things that really gave me the shits. <laughs> he capitalized the phrase, The Cycling Family. Now, if that doesn't sound like really fucked up pseudo-cult language to you, then we've got nothing in common. Because, like, <laughs> that's creepy. That's just weird. Um... And, and allegedly, the cycling, cycling family also affirmed that there was a very good day-to-day working relationship between the UCI and the sport it serves. D- does the UCI serve football? I don't know who, what this sport is. I don't know which sport it is that the UCI serves and has a great day-to-day working relationship with. Pretty sure it's not fucking cycling.
1: Well did you did you see the other the other thing that Scott was having a rant about He's, he was looking through it and talking about we had focus groups that brought together groups of stakeholders and mm. they included riders, teams, racers and journalists.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And Scott was like, How can journalists be stakeholders mm. and and be impartial reporters? It's like they can't be. They're not they're not there to be. They're not there. Which journalist is it? Which journalist is it? Which publication is it? If they turn up as a stakeholder group and are rude about it, what happens to them? You know. Also, I I disagree. Which writers and when? Exactly. Exactly.
0: And I disagree with the idea of journalists as stakeholders. Anyway, journalists are not stakeholders. They're custodians of information. Their stakeholding is in the integrity of their publication or or production or whatever the case it may be. But if they think they're fucking stakeholders, they're not. Fans are fucking stakeholders. You know, our eyeballs pay for this sport, so
1: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah anyway, yeah, yeah. That, yeah people yeah. weren't
1: sponsoring it without without you know yeah. the idea that you know I get very excited about about the Cervelo Test Team, and if I had lots of money, I would run out and buy a Cervelo bicycle, for mm. example.
2: Mm.
0: But anyway, the other thing that really kind of gave me the shits is uh, there are six crucial recommendations um, that that have come back from from this feedback. Uh, which uh, we must restore the credibility of cycling and the public perception of the sport. Interestingly enough, he then spends most of the rest of the article talking about how, um, you know, he's done such a great job anti-doping. So I don't know why there's credibility issues if he's done such a great job. <laughs> um, decision needs to be made quickly about whether to hold an independent inquiry oh, that's my second grammar error because he uses both instances of inquiry and inquiry in that sentence because <laughs> apparently he doesn't fucking know which is the correct one. Uh, it's in it's inquiry, Pat, in, uh, in that, that particular sentence. So, you know, um, which also is a bullshit crucial recommendation they need a fucking independent inquiry. Everyone knows this. And the UCI. And they had one, didn't yeah, they? Well, that's what I was going to say. The UCI, been... UCI even knows this because they tanked the one they had for fear of it actually doing something effective. So, you know, UCI needs to develop a long term strategic plan for cycling. I'm sorry, but if you're yeah, a I'm sports sure. administrator and you don't already have a long term strategic plan for the sport you administer, you should be fired. Just fired. You can't, you can't open a Facebook account without a, a strategic plan for the future. Like,
1: <laughs> fuck.
0: Uh, that we should further strengthen the anti-doping culture that already exists in the UCI. I disagree with that particular statement because I think they should establish an anti-doping culture in the UCI. But, you know, I guess that's, that's hair-splitting. Um, We need to improve our relationship with waiter. You think? (laughs) (laughs) We need to restructure the pro cycling calendar. Alright, so that's the one that I've got least issue with. But there's no information about how it should be restructured, so fuck that. But those are the crucial recommendations. So apparently for a president who loves women's cycling and has worked tirelessly to improve the, the role of women's cycling in the sport in general there's nothing to do with women's cycling in the the crucial recommendations but don't worry because there's another five high priority recommendations and they are to increase the independence of the cycling anti-doping foundation good fucking idea uh to appoint an independent anti-doping body probably a good move too Interesting that that's less important than deciding whether or not you need an independent inquiry. But anyway, (laughs) um, to review the existing point system for pro teams. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can understand that. It it seems to upset Jonathan Vorders a lot, so I should probably talk about it. Um, Then to focus on developing women's cycling. So not only is this not a crucial issue, it's a high-priority issue, but it's also not the top high-priority issue. It's fourth on the (laughs) list of five. And the, the fifth is to improve our communication with professional road riders, which I'm pretty sure just means communicate with professional road riders at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, wow, like, fuck. Fuck. So
1: what you're saying is we could have done better if we had, say, Gracie Elvin, Miranda Breeze, Eddie Stevens, and Mariana Boss. Sweet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what you think we should do to make cycling better. Well, yeah,
0: that's that's definitely the crowdsourcing way to go. I mean, then we go into this this crazy story of how he's, you know, like uh, um, how he is, you know, this, this huge, wonderful, you know, like this is the election section of his report, you know, so he's this wonderful, great influence and, you know, developing women's cycling has always been a priority and it'll be one of my key missions if I'm re-elected. Why isn't it your mission now? Fuck you. Why wait for an election? Get started. You know? Um, you know, but then he goes into this, this thing of developing cycling in new countries all around the world because it can make life-changing differences to societies, as witnessed by the renaissance of the sport in Rwanda. And I'm like...
1: Oh, I'm sure cycling is the biggest issue in Rwanda.
0: Yeah, like, I like I don't want to take anything away because, you know, there was a, a documentary that he named Chex called amazing. Rising from I mean, the, the cycling Ashes.
1: Cycling is amazing, but... It's not... It, cycling didn't stop the genocide. Yeah. Stopping the genocide helped cycling get there.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it's it's just one of those kind of really unfortunate, clumsy McQuaidisms of a document, basically. It's just... It's 18 kinds of fucked. Um, you know, and... You know, the UCI is in the process of developing a long-term strategic... Sarah, we've been doing this podcast for a year, and I'm pretty sure we've got more of a strategic, long-term plan <laughs> for cycling than these guys. Um, you know, like it, I know, I know it's easy to complain, it's easy to point fingers and bitch, and it's kind of funny to do it as well. And um, and uh, Craig on our, our blog last week um, pointed out, that, you know, maybe we should do something, and kindly found the. Uh, the appropriate person from the UCI that we should um, we should email and contact to discuss these sorts of things, and and I think that's you know a, a valid and worthy point. But at the same time, when the president of the UCI is publishing bullshit like this and thinking that the world is full of people dumb enough to just swallow this bullshit, it, it's kind of really offensive. Um, and, you know, like I said, just makes me want to stab him with a pencil. And not one of these modern, shitty pencils either. Like, one of the old ones where there was still poisonous lead in the pencil. (laughs) You know, so it could really fuck you up. Like, one of those ones. Because, yeah, it's... It just... It gives me the shits. It... It's so, so... Hmm... But, you know, to be fair, I'm trying really hard here. To be fair, there are a lot of things that the UCI do actually do well. But in terms of setting vision and and demonstrating genuine leadership for the sport, I just, this isn't leadership and this isn't vision. This is bullshit electioneering and this is nebulous promises that don't actually mean anything and a lack of an actual plan, you know. I will continue my work, my tireless work to, to um, you know, improve women's cycling and developing it. How? What are you going to fucking do, Pat? Like, I don't even need the full long-term strategic plan. Just name three things. Three things. I challenge you right now to the world's shortest debate, Pat. 30 seconds each to outline our vision for the future of women's cycling, you versus me, any time you want, between now and the election. Come on and argue it with me. Serious fucking offer. A dare you. Fucking triple <laughs> dare you. Uh, it, 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 yeah. So, to me, this, this, this is a completely useless document and a and, uh, frustrating waste of everybody's time. So you're and,
1: looking forward to the full res- report, then?
0: Well, the full report will actually contain useful information and probably say things that are meaningful. Uh, certainly the the self aggrandizing desperate attempt to get re-elected to a position that the man has corrupted and fucked up for eight years or more um, won't. So, yeah, I do actually look forward to the, re- the release of the real report. I, I assume that, you know, like two thirds of it'll be redacted because it's just people saying Pat McQuaid's gotta fucking go. Dan, so. take
1: a deep breath. All deep right. breath.
0: Hang on, can someone deep bring breath. me whiskey? I need whiskey. Fuck.
1: <laughs> deep breath, deep oh. breathing.
0: <sighs> you better have good news for me. You'd better have good <laughs> news. Not just heavy breathing, Sarah. I mean I I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you trying to cheer me up, but
1: Deep breathing, not heavy breathing.
0: <laughs> potato potato.
1: Um Quickly, what, anything else you've seen this week?
0: I, I actually, I, I confess that at the moment I'm on a rage blank. I just, I can't, I, I literally cannot think of anything right but now. I
1: have two last things to mention. Mm-hmm. One thing you should all go and read is Miranda De Vries' blog about um, when she crashed in the Tour de De oh. Roussillon and lost consciousness, because it's a really, really interesting first-person account of what it's actually like to crash in that race. Mm. Um,
0: and she got some very nasty photos out of that too. So
1: she says she's fine. She does. She crashed twice, and we put her blog from the first stage up in last week's podcast. But mm. yeah, she she's she is fine. She says she's fine, but just read it because it's really really interesting. Um, The other thing I just wanted to mention very quickly was the Giro Rosa. They've announced who's sponsoring their jerseys. Hooray. But the thing that I really, really like about it is that they've said that all their jerseys will feature the logo of Marina Romilly's association. Um, Oh, yeah. That's the hearts,
0: isn't it? The the heart logo is that the one yeah yeah yeah, yeah
1: exactly um mm. when uh when giorgia bronzini won her first road world championships she crossed the line with a little heart um salute and that was saying and and all the italian team had ridden with marina's name on their gloves because marina Romilly was a 21 year old rider maybe 20 21 23 and she crashed in a training accident a really hideous training accident in, when a car pulled out in front of her Um, from a side road and she was going very fast and she crashed through the back window and it's basically left her in a wheelchair Mm. um Mm. unable to walk um but the the association but she's it's so so good that the giro has kept marina at the heart of the race they call her the godmother of the race and she's still very much part of the cycling family that that's the real cycling family You know, this Mm -hmm. is the real cycling family. When you see riders finishing races and giving each other huge hugs, when you see them congratulating each other on on Twitter or helping each other out, when you see a rider say, shit, my bike, my wheels have got lost on the plane. Can anyone help me? Mm. And someone comes to her aid. You know, when Marina Romley is at the heart of the race, that's the cycling family. Yes.
0: Also in a creepy cultish way, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, seriously. Um, so this week we're coming up we've got the philadelphia classic um mm. this race was off off the calendar but it's come back it's the only 1.1 level race in um the only uci registered women's race in the usa uh but it's always a good one they have the manai wall <laughs> climb which is amazing <laughs> and over in europe we have the basque section of the race oh i love these race names we have durango durango macramine Soria. Uh, day race, and then we have the Imakameen Biro four stage race in the Basque Mountains. Um, also on the calendar, <laughs> clashing with national championships. I don't think these races are going to go ahead, Dan. They're Golan in Syria. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh no! It did uh, actually well, you know, last year, but yeah, no, it did, I, it did. But you know, it, I I don't know that the um the dodging shrapnel crit is going to go ahead this year.
1: Um, no, I I'm just I'm just I'm just getting out on the limb and suspecting that although mm, they're still on the calendar, I'm not sure they're going to go ahead, mm, and I'm not sure many but, riders will be skipping but their national But then again, then again, Sarah,
0: um, Pat McQuaid, in his own words, is very dedicated to promoting women's cycling and globalisation. <laughs> so this ticks two of his boxes so are you
1: suggesting pat mcquaid should go and ride golan
0: <laughs> i'm suggesting pat mcquaid's not near the woman enough to ride uh any race really
1: and my final final thing now this might not be up before that dan might not be able to get over his rage in order to um post this in time but the sufferfest you may have seen the sufferfests um Hellish <laughs> training videos.
0: Mm, mm. Yes, I mean, they're, they're, that product name is not just because it sounds cool.
1: It's because it really does make you suffer. And they've got one which is all women, and they were very, very funny. It's called Hell Hath No Fury. And when they set it up, they were saying they say they they when they first got the footage sent through to them to use from the World Cup races they were kind of saying yeah usually we're not in the we don't have a problem with editing out attacks <laughs> <laughs> usually we're we're heading through to try and find more attacks and then we saw women's racing um, but they're doing a special offer on um, all the profits on Hell hath no fury are going to f- um, sold in the next fifteen hours or the past fifteen hours depending on when you're looking at this go to uh, the Half the heart of the Road, a documentary. Catherine Bettine's documentary. Mm. Uh, this is lovely. Oh, the Sufferfest are Australians, Dan. Who would have guessed?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, let's let's go out, do something stupid, and really hurt ourselves. So, yeah, yeah, not an Australian trait at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, um, have a look at that, and yeah, I I do place,
0: love. I do love that when it comes to women's cycling That the reason that you have to do so much Interval training is not to get your What's up, it's because that's actually what a race is like It's like Go, 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 go Deep breath, deep breath,
1: oh fuck, we got to go again Well, as, as, as we saw As we saw last week When we were looking at Annemiek Van Vleuten's blog mm, mm,
2: yeah, exactly. When they're out
1: Training, the competition for who can Sprint past the next place named road sign Is just as fierce <laughs> As any intermediate sprint modification.
0: <laughs> oh, holy shit. Well, That's um, awesome.
1: Anything interesting you see, any questions, anything you've got to say, um, come along and see us at prowomencycling.com or email us at prowomencycling at gmail.com and we'll be happy to see you. Indeed.
0: Uh, thank you for sticking with us. We look forward to many more exciting, fun, and happy stories to share with you again.
2: <laughs> Thanks very much.